Oh, hey, thanks so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Some big news this week. Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman confirmed that they've come to an agreement with Wizards of the Coast to produce a new trilogy of Dragonlance novels in a series called Classic Dragonlance. This is big news for fans of the fantastical setting, as last year, things did not look so promising. With a lawsuit filed against Wizards alleging breach of contract, it did not look bright for the future of Kryn. But 2021 is a new year. The classic Dragonlance naming got me thinking, though. Does Wizards need to differentiate this series from something else they might be working on? Cue the rampant speculation. So, we know from last year's D&D celebration that, in the next year or two, Dungeons & Dragons is going to be coming out with three classic settings over the next one to two years, and I think this naming suggests Dragonlance is going to be one of them. As you may know, over the past few years, D&D has really been synergizing its efforts. During the media call for Rime of the Frostmaiden, I asked Chris Perkins why he chose to set the adventure in Icewind Dale, and he said he was asked to. Was that because Dark Alliance, the video game, is coming out and it's also set in Icewind Dale? Maybe, though I didn't follow up to confirm. It suggests that there is some serious thought towards synergizing Dungeons & Dragons efforts. We know that these novels have been in the planning stages for a while, so it definitely suggests there's a reason they need to be called classic. We won't know for sure until 2021 or 2022, but, but gosh, speculating is just the best. Coming up this Sunday, January 31st, Rivals of Waterdeep premieres with its ninth season. Latia Jaquise is in the DM's chair for the first time, and the show is adding two new cast members, Eugenio Vargas and Brian Gray. Episodes will be broadcast on twitch.tv slash Rivals of Waterdeep. I'll include a link in the show notes. They broadcast at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern. It segues nicely into the introduction of today's guest, Latia Jaquise. She's a former community manager for the Dungeons & Dragons Adventures League, She's been a cast member for Rivals since Season 6, and she's just started a cool new gig as Community Relations Manager for Monty Cook Games. I'm really excited for you to hear my chat with Latia. I hope you enjoy. Hey Latia, thanks so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. So my first question is, what was your first experience with Dungeons & Dragons? Um, first experience was, actually, okay, so I'm, I'm trying to think because depending on what I'm thinking about at the time, it changes. My okay. first experience with Dungeons and Dragons was probably playing the PlayStation 2 Baldur's Gate game. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh, Baldur's Gate Dark, Dark Alliance, which is completely different from the PC game. Yeah. But um, it was... Yeah, I didn't really know what Dungeons and Dragons was at the time, but it was an RPG and I was very into RPGs and that mm -hmm. I could, you know, cast spells and shoot things. So it was fine for me. Um, the actual game I played once or twice in high school. Okay. And was kind of an off and on thing until about two or th three years ago now, I want to say, mm -hmm. um, when I started playing Adventures League at a comic book, a comic book stop. Right. Do you have any memories of your first game? Does anything jump out at you as something interesting that may have happened? I, okay, there's a story there. Yeah, what is what is it? Um, so not not my very first game because I don't remember too much about that one. But one of the games that kind of got me jumping back into it, I played a 3.5 game with my best friend. Okay. 
um, that was run by her brother-in-law. I was a, a human, uh, the only human of the party, yeah. um, who in typical, the way I play any kind of game fashion, ran headfirst into everything uh, in, this, in this dungeon uh, and couldn't see. So uh, got, I, I basically came out of the dungeon half dead before I realized <laughs> that I had torches in my inventory. <laughs> So um, all of that trauma could have been prevented if I had just looked at my character sheet. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's amazing. It's just all of those little things on the back in the tiny writing, right? That you forget mm-hmm. about. Absolutely. Beyond your streaming schedule, uh, have you still been able to game during the pandemic? Do you have a regular group of people that you play with? Yes, um, I have gamed way more during the pandemic than I was before. Um, I almost have too many games. So uh, <laughs> I have my my normal Monday night game, mm-hmm. uh, which is, we started in person before Chicago had to shut down right. and we transitioned to, to Zoom. And then I'm, I've just started a game on Tuesday nights. That's just for fun. Um, I, have a bi-weekly Strahd game that's going, it's it's kind of on hiatus right now as some of us are, you know, moving or dealing with, uh, you know, heavier, I won't say heavier real life stuff, but just like real life stuff. We yeah. can't game right now because real life is happening. Um, and then the occasional charity stream or, you know, somebody wants me to play whatever and I've got time. I'm like, yes, absolutely. More games, please. Yes. That's, that's great. I mean, I, I sort of found the same that you did is that the amount I played Dungeons and Dragons increased, uh, with the amount of time spent in lockdown. I don't play as much now Mm -hmm. sort of normalized for me, but, uh, being able to just pick up and play a game instantly without spending and having to spend an hour to get where you're going has been Mm -hmm. a real benefit. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a lot. I found like, I have to kind of stop myself from wanting to play so much. Like the Tuesday game happened because a friend of mine was like, I have this thing I want. I have this story I want to tell and I don't get to run games. Will you be a player? And I'm like, absolutely. Yes. (laughs) I will do anything you want me to do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a friend who's building a world similarly, and he asked me to participate in his, uh, in his game. Uh, and it worked out cause it's on every second Tuesday and I host a rhyme of the frost maiden stream every second Tuesday. So I'm like every other Tuesday works fine for me because nice. the ice holes can wait. <laughs> the ice holes. I like the that. ice holes. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you've been active in the gaming community for a few years now, as you mentioned, before we started recording, you were a DDAL community manager. Mm-hmm. And at the end of last year, you started working for Monty cook games as a community relations coordinator yep. based on what you've seen over the past few years. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the current state of tabletop gaming and, and how's it changed over the past few years? Um, I have seen, a, I've seen a pretty, a sort of dynamic shift moving away from um, kind of like the big games. I, in, in my circles, at least, there is a, a pretty big shift to um, more indie mm-hmm. tabletop games. Um, things like uh, my friend Lisa Penrose has, has uh, released her own little micro TTRPG Mundane Magic, yeah. which I got to play test, which was absolutely amazing. Um, there's nothing like trying to help dinosaurs find love. <laughs> um, and a lot of um, 
I'm very excited for things like Thirsty Sword Lesbians. And um, I'm actually, as of, as of the recording of this tomorrow, I'll be playing in an, an indie game on Roll20. Uh, we're playing okay. Descent into Midnight. So, um, which is, I think it's new. I don't know too much about it, but I'm very excited to play because the kind of characters that we've been asked to create are absolutely fantastic. Um, but yeah, there's a there's a shift from from big things like D and D and moving towards you know smaller smaller uh, creators and games, um, which I think has a lot to do with the way these bigger companies kind of handle for for lack of a better word, like the, the diversity and inclusion, um, you know, as I mean, as a black woman, it is, it is very obvious to me when I see things that are, that, that could be better. And I know that make, making those steps is a lot harder than it looks like on paper. Yeah. Um, and the changes are not happening as fast as the community wants them to. And this is just from what I've seen, you know, I, I can't speak for the greater community at large, but the community that surrounds me, that is a big factor for them. Yeah. And we actually here, I'm, I'm based in Toronto, Canada, and uh, our large convention breakout con has actually seen a lot of growth because from its earliest years, uh, it sought those indie RPG creators and brought them in. And they're finding a lot of success with panels. And obviously it hasn't run last year. It's not going to run this year, but mm -hmm. they've seen a lot of success. So what you're saying sort of has my, similar to my anecdotal experience with indie RPGs as well. I haven't done, dabbled too much uh, in indie RPGs myself. I'm mostly a, mostly a D&D guy, but. Oh yeah. Um, I've uh, I've definitely seen that that's definitely a move that people are making now mm -hmm. to try and expand expand their horizons when it comes to the games they're playing. Yeah, it was a goal for me last year to play more um, smaller TTRPGs, but you know when you're faced with the reality that you have to stay inside and that the world is a trash fire, you go with what's comfortable. <laughs> Yeah. So I did play a lot more D and D last year, but this year um, is, I say, is the year that I want to kind of branch out and do more, or play more, more smaller games. Well, and as you're, you're, you're obviously over the past few years with all the all the things that I've mentioned, you're becoming more and more uh, involved in the TTRPG community as well. So you're getting probably the opportunity to learn more about small indie publishers that you might not have learned about two or three years ago when you're first just starting in RPGs as well. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, so this coming Sunday uh, is the premiere of Waterdeep Rivals of Waterdeep season nine. Now yes. you've, you've been a cast member since season six, but this is your first time in the big chair. How, what are you feeling in advance of your first game as the DM? Um, if you had a sound bite of several birds screeching <laughs> that would be kind of it wasn't it wasn't so bad when I said I would do it because you know it's never volatile like running like sitting in the in the GM's chair for rivals is never like mandatory like mm -hmm. you don't have to run if you don't want to we would love to see you run because we love to see how everybody tells their stories um so this 
at the like I think midway through season eight, I was like, yes, I want to run. I've had this story in my head for two seasons. <laughs> yeah. Um, and now is the perfect time to tell it. Um, but now that we're in that this final week, and we actually we had a a, a meeting earlier today where we were just kind of talking about, you know, where we want to go um as a as a as a game and as a as a group of D&D players and we were talking about all the things that have to happen and it was brought up that I was going to need to title the episodes and I forgot that, that was a thing <laughs> I have to do and I was like oh god I have to title episodes and I have to come up with summaries and like this whole week is just kind of like the nerves are really building up but once mm -hmm. I sit in the chair on Sunday I'm going to be fine I yeah I'm I haven't ever done anything on the level of Rivals of Waterdeep, but the, the charity streams that I ran last year, definitely it was the week leading up to it. As soon as I sat down and we were recording, it was not a problem at all. It was more like, oh, what if I do this? Will I have to do this? And all this stuff. So I know exactly what you're saying. <laughs> what can, oh, sorry. First question before I get yeah. to that question. Um, if you could describe your season nine in only one word, what would it be? Mystery. Oh, okay. So now, now I'm intrigued. What can what can fans of the show expect from from your season? Um, I can say this much because um, we like they all know where they're going. Mm -hmm. So um, and uh, I've uh, they're I'm taking them to Candlekeep this season, okay. um, which is all that they know, um, but. I'll say if you if you are a fan of Rivals and you've seen what has happened in these last couple of seasons, um, I will say that the some of the residual effects of decisions and stuff that players have made uh, will be felt this season, mm -hmm. and it's not necessarily a bad thing, um, but it is just something that. Like I said, something happened uh, during season seven that put this idea in my head. And I was like, if I run a game, this is what's going to happen. So. <laughs> so for those who don't know, Rivals is unique because your DMs, as you alluded to, rotate uh, regularly. You don't have mm -hmm. the same DM consistently. So it's different in that way. How do you, as a DM, keep what's great about the previous seasons and the thing that the things that people love about the show, but at the same time, put your own stamp on the game. Um, communication is super important. Mm -hmm. um, whenever a new GM takes over, we, um, you know, we talk to the previous, uh, the, the previous person who sat in the chair, kind of getting what they were trying to accomplish in their season, what they didn't get accomplished, like any sort of residual, again, residual effects that, you know, may linger in the new season, mm -hmm. any particular NPCs, like there's a lot of communication that goes on between not just the DMs, but the players as well. Like okay. um, asking, you know, as a player, what what happened last season that you didn't like? Or, you know, what about your character did you not get to explore that you still want to get to explore? So keeping the cast involved in the process while still, you know, keeping what I'm going to do to them uh, yeah. <laughs> a secret <laughs> is, is very, very important. And we're bringing on two new cast members as well this season. So um, 
with you know varying levels of experience with D&D as Rivals ha always has been and with varying levels of knowledge about Rivals as well. So um, just making sure everybody is kind of on the same page and everybody is comfortable with what we're going to do, like not on a not at a metagaming level, but you know, here's the general theme of what the season will be about. Here's where you're going. That's all I'm going to tell you. Um, I think that helps. Yeah, and you segue nicely nicely into my next question because it was going to be about the two new cast members, Eugenio and Brian. Mm -hmm. um, are you able to share a little bit about, do you have to work with them a little more to integrate them in the story because they're coming on new? And how are you, are you able to share a glimpse of how you're going to introduce them to the rest of the cast? Um, so to answer the first part of that question, yes, I have to work with them a little bit more to find out how they are going to integrate in, um, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of when, when I came on, for example, I wanted to pick a, a race in class that was not seen in Rivals yet, which is why I went with Dahani, who's an, who's a monk and an Aarakocra. Mm -hmm. um, so that's not necessarily what everybody has to do, but I just want to, it's important to me that they play something that they're um familiar with and that they want to play um and then the integration part a little bit easier this time tanya was very gracious um we knew they were coming on before it was announced okay so um tanya set me up very nicely to introduce them um as soon as we get started because if you watched rivals last season you know we <laughs> Uh, we ended in a very precarious situation. Mm -hmm. um, long and short of it is we had just escaped jail. <laughs> okay. Uh, so um, that kind of situation is difficult to introduce any kind of new element into. But again, there's that teamwork element of it. Like Tanya set us up very nicely to just bring them right in. Okay. In general, thinking about season nine and and you've spoken to the characters about, or to the players, excuse me, about what you want, what they want out of their characters and sort of how you want, how they each want their story arcs to go. Do you have side plots and thoughts about how they're going to interact with the story set out in advance? Or is that something that you're going to develop and see how the season progresses before making those types of decisions? definitely the latter. It's definitely a wait and see kind of situation. Um, what I've learned from DMing in general is that, you know, no plot survives contact with the players unscathed. It's, <laughs> it's a fact of life. Yeah. So I have developed the bare bones and depending on what each player wants to achieve with their character, I will seed those things in um, as we move along. Okay. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about Rivals in general. Obviously, as I mentioned, you've been a member since season six, but it is this is its ninth season. Mm -hmm. Why do you think the show has been so successful? And, and to what do you attribute the show's longevity? Why is it, why has it lasted so long where other shows haven't sort of had its, its um, duration? Um... That's a, it's a, it's, it's a very good question. Um, I think we prioritize 
I won't even say prioritize. We value telling a good story over, you know, over playing D and mm-hmm. I will say, um, like I, I brought this up somewhere else. We barely rolled dice last last season, yeah. uh, because of just the the way we ended up telling a story. Like it was mm-hmm. just it didn't lend itself to rolling a lot of dice. I think we had maybe one combat last last season as well. So we we prefer to tell this tell a story and have the dice facilitate that um i think it also intrigues people that we again that that our cast rotates i mean that Mm -hmm. our our gms rotate so it's Mm -hmm. never it's not just a brainchild of one person like over the course of nine seasons we have built an entire story together with input from you know, GMs from seasons one, one through nine. So um, I think that is a great, it's, it's something that not a lot of people, not a lot of other um, shows do. Yeah. In some ways it's, it's a, it's a bit courageous because, you know, season one and, you know, the first few seasons were successful and now we're like, well, we're going to, we're going to change it up and, and things are, things are still working. So uh, it's clearly one of the, one of the things you're, that is driving the show's success. I think you're right. I think also, um, I just thought of something else. I think also the fact that when when we first started, Mm -hmm. um, it's still weird for me to say we, when I'm, when, when I'm a newer cast member, Right. when Rivals, when Rivals first started, we were, um, all in one spot, you know, we're, most of us are Chicago local and we were playing out of a a studio in the city, which also gave us a different, a different kind of energy Mm -hmm. and being able to bounce, you know, bounce things back and forth off of people kind of like immediately Mm -hmm. that instant feedback was, um, I think it also contributed to the, the positive energy. And there aren't a lot of shows outside of the West coast that and in in general but also that we're meeting face to face and 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 doing what what rivals was doing when we when we started right makes sense so um it's been an exciting few few months for you as as i mentioned you started a new and amazing job at uh monty cook um you're a developer on an amazing new rpg that's critically acclaimed heading for kickstarter and i hope uh will soon be announced for uh with a renewal for season two on twitch Uh, and of course you're dming rivals what's your next step uh in your plan to dominate uh the tabletop role-playing world (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, so I joke about that with my friends all the time, but to actually hear somebody else say it is very interesting to me. <laughs> it sounds completely, it sounds completely on another level. Um, I would like to, uh, so I'm, I'm currently working on something that I cannot talk about. Okay. Um, outside of all of that, that will be announced at some point. Um, very excited to uh, talk about that once the time comes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just want to keep creating. That's the, the long and short of it. I love this community. I love my peers, my coworkers, my friends, and I just want to keep creating and uplifting people who are also trying to do this. Like, um, 
being in a position where I am able to, you know, point out smaller streamers, like one of the things that I make sure that I do when I'm working socials for Monty Cook is if there is a, if there is a streamer channel that is, you know, working on something Numenera or, you know, Cypher system in general, like I want to make sure that I get their, their streams and stuff out there so that more people can see them and that they can have, you know, the kind of success that, you know, people like rivals and, and, um, and stuff and enjoy as well. So I want to keep creating. I want to be able to support the people who have supported me and helped me get here and just keep moving forward. Yeah, I think the the thing that's amazing about the tabletop RPG space in general is that there are people who are having success, but so many are willing to pay it forward. Um, and it, whether it's um, to join a charity stream or point out a stream, as you mentioned, or say, hey, would you take a look at this? I mean, I, I did a, a, a short a piece on DMs Guild and I a, an editor friend looked at it. It's just the community is so supportive and I feel so blessed to be working in uh, in this space where everybody's just so nice. It's not it's not as though anybody's really fake. It's just people want to genuinely help, and mm -hmm. uh, it's it's incredible, really. So thanks so much for joining me, Latia. I really appreciate it, and I look yeah, forward no to um, hearing more about your secret project in the <laughs> in the coming months and the premiere of Rivals on Sunday, right, the thirty first. Yes. Yes. Once we are finished with this, I'm going to go scream some more. <laughs> Birds crying in the background. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks, Latia. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. Well, that's the Cock Die podcast for this week. Thanks so much for listening. And remember, if the die is cocked, it doesn't count.